So we're on week two of giving. I thought, what a great idea. I know what I'll do. I'll post on the city, why don't you people give? And say, if you want to be famous, tell me what you think. <laughs> what was that idea? You know, it's interesting. We had 381 people read everyone's stuff. 381. It's the most action we've ever had on the history of the city, ever. And I made me think this morning, someone came up to me, he was like, man, it's amazing. It's easy to find out what people are passionate about, right? 381 people. We don't even have that many people on the city. I was talking to someone the other day. I was talking to someone today, and they're like, yeah, I was hitting refresh every 20 minutes to see what the next person was going to write. I was like, yeah, me too. Was that wrong? I haven't had a vacation since I posted that, but um, or any days off. Here's the good news, folks, is, man, I asked for you to be honest, and you were. I also asked, I also asked for you to uh, tell me, um, you know, what you really thought, and let's interact as a family on this, and you did, and that is awesome. You know, I mean, it's amazing that people would risk. I mean, I was reading those responses. I was like, man, that's a pretty gutsy response, knowing that anyone and everyone can read this forever. And so there were some people who were a little more timid, and they uh, decided to email me. Those emails were a little more violent, just to let you know. I'm okay. That's okay. I don't take those things personally as far as you know. But um, at least you'll never know that I, if I've had to take it personally. But, um, you know, what I did in an effort to preserve unity in our church is I printed off everyone's responses to want to be famous, answer this question. It's about... 25 or 30 pages of responses, and I've deleted the string on the internet, uh, so, so it's gone, okay? And so, you can't, if you haven't read it, too bad, so sad. You should have gotten on the city and paid attention, all right? I made it an important topic, and it was an exciting topic. They said, that should be another thing. We should add, like, there's, like, important topic. We should be, like, exciting and volatile topic. I mean, that's kind of where this fit in. It was awesome, though. I loved it. So I have all the responses here to file and to blackmail you with later in life and as a church. But it's gone on the web just because I'm going to mention some of the things that were said uh, in an effort to bring clarity to what we believe about money, the areas that God wants us to grow when it comes to giving, and to bring clarity. I'm not going to say anything negative. Any of the negative responses or responses. When I say negative, it wasn't like the people who were saying them were saying, I don't give because of this. At least that's not the way I'm going to perceive them. I'm perceiving things as if, I said, hey, why aren't people giving? In general, why don't people give? And so a lot of the responses that could be perceived as, man, that person hates us. He doesn't trust the leadership of the church. Man, are you going to car bomb him or what are you going to do? You know what I mean? We're not going there because I know everyone who responded loves River City Church. They love, they love my leadership or they wouldn't be here. I know that for a fact. They think I'm the best church leader in Jacksonville. I mean, can you imagine that? And so, I mean, the fact that they think I'm the best church leader in Jacksonville and they demonstrate that by trusting me with their kids, by trusting me with the little or the lot that they give, by trusting me with their time and their effort and their resources, I know 100% for sure that they must think I am the best leader in Jacksonville, church leader, because otherwise they'd go somewhere else, right? If they thought we were bad stewards of your money, they wouldn't be here because that doesn't make logical sense. There's 1,500 other churches they would go to. So we've chosen to believe, I definitely believe this, that everyone who responds in the city in those ways or on the internet, it loves River City Church. 
are sacrificing for River City Church in different ways. And that's what we wanted to get. Our people are willing to be honest about this area of their life. And this is the beginning for us. And we're all in different places. But we're a family, folks. When you give to River City Church, you don't give to a building. You don't give to an institution. You don't give to a business. You give to people. And when you choose not to give, you're not hurting my feelings. You're not hurting me personally, except that I'm a, I'm a member of this family. And so in some ways, by you not giving to your family, you're hurting yourself because you're the body. We are the church. And so this talk and every talk we give, remember, it starts with this reality of we're not, we don't belong here in the world. We belong somewhere else. Everything we have, God gave us. Everything we have, God gave us. Well, I'm smart and I'm rich and I earned it. Well, you're smart because God made you smart. You went to the school that you went to because God provided that opportunity for you to study and the family. He put you in the family that you meant you were supposed to be in so that you could do that. I mean, what if you were born in the 17th century? No Harvard there. Or maybe there was. Was there Harvard back then? There was, wasn't there? Okay, maybe you were born in like Jesus time. What do you do then for education? Become a rabbi, a legalist. All I'm saying is that, you know, everything, you know, we don't belong here. So we're trying to get perspective. When I talk about money, I'm trying to remind us about the kingdom reality of where we are and who we're called to be. I'm not after you, just like you're not after me. I'm trying the best that I can as a church leader all the time, keep my eyes on Jesus. Where's Jesus? I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to find out where Jesus is going. And if he's going to another service, guess what, folks? We're going to another service. He's going to another building. Guess what? We're going to another building. We're going to multiple, multiple, this, that, and the other. We're going to do it. He's calling us to give to Cuba. We're going to give. All the time, my job as a church leader is to not make you happy necessarily. It's to follow Jesus, to lead us towards Jesus, to keep us in orbit around what Jesus has to say to us about his kingdom. What does Jesus have that's uniquely oriented for River City Church? And what are the resources we're going to need to make that happen? Our time, our money, everything. Jesus will tell us those things. My job is to tell you what I think they are, the best that I can, knowing that I'm going to mess up. Your job is to be obedient. Not to the church leader. You're not giving to me. You're not being obedient to me. You're being obedient to God. See how it's so easy for me not to take things personally whenever I understand the reality of what's going on? I know you love me and think I'm the best leader in Jacksonville. What I'm trying to get you to believe is that Jesus is the best leader in Jacksonville. Because if we believe that Jesus is leading us, if we believe that he's, this is his body, his church, what you give has nothing to do with me. So don't ask me questions like, is this enough? I don't know. How would I know what Jesus has told you about how much is enough? I'm having a hard enough time giving enough myself to know what Jesus wants me to do. But that's the question we're after. All of us, Jesus, what is it you want me to give of my time, of my resources, of my money, of my family, of everything? What are the ways you want me to sacrifice as a demonstration of my love to you? That's a fair question, isn't it? That's the question we want everyone to ask. And, and how you respond has everything to do with Jesus. And we talked about that last week. Jesus is the center of it all. I helped write that song. And Jesus is the center of it all. Man, we should have done, done a mix like, Aunt Lee, the center of it all. 
That would have been awkward to sing, right? Because I'm not. What I do with your money is not what's important. What I think we should do with your money is not what's important. Yeah, we're called to be good stewards. I'm going to talk a little bit about the structure we have in place to make sure that I'm not like flying around and using your money for stupid things. We have structure in place for that though. But ultimately, you giving money to God is about you and Jesus. How much you give is about you and Jesus. My job is just to teach you what the Bible says about it. To bring us a kingdomly perspective so that we can find freedom. So that we can find life. So that we can find love. All right? I have no idea where I am in my notes. Okay. So, there are basically two groups of people. This is an awkward thing. As I was listening to Jesus, have my eyes on Jesus, trying to be loving and honest about what God's doing at River State Church in response to all the responses and talking about giving. I felt like he said, Antley, you got two groups of people that are so far apart, it's going to take the work of my spirit to help them connect with me today. All right? The good news is the common denominator for both groups is love. God's love. That's what I'm going to talk about today. But one group is a group of people, they're like prophets or truth tellers is what I like to call them. People who how we get there is as important as where we're going, okay? For me, I'm not one of those people. I'm like, let's go, baby. Man, we're going, you know? And I, we need truth tellers in our church. We need people. We need prophets in our church telling us the process, the way God wants us to get there, how God wants us to get there. People that are being honest with the leadership of the church, saying, Antley, I think this, this, and this, you know, you're hurting people on the way. Pull back. I don't think you're seeing that correctly from what Jesus is saying. And they, and they share these things with me. And so there are givers like that also. And for this group of people, structure is important. And they use words like business. They use words like institution, structure, like things that help create order so that we don't hurt people. Things that create order so that we don't get ahead of God. Not bad things at all. But the things that those people are dealing with and that God wants to bring them freedom from are very different than the second group. But God wants us to bring, you know, wants to bring freedom to those people. And these people are people that enjoy rules, okay? That's not a bad thing. We need those things. And we have those things in place to protect the church, But ultimately, God doesn't want that to be the most important thing as we're deciding where and how to give our money. He wants us to be led by the Spirit, who is like the wind. A violent, rushing wind who takes us to and fro in ways that we might not understand. If we're not listening to the Spirit, this group will give consistently the percentage that's required and move on with life all the time, missing what the Spirit has for them. And so God wants to bring freedom there today. The other group of people are people who are like adventurers. And they're like people that have made bad decisions. They've adventured off into the world. I was wondering if I was going to say the prodigal son, like the prodigal son, but it's not like the prodigal son. They've adventured off into the world, and they've just like bought stuff, you know? Like when the economy is like, like taking off. Woohoo! Let's go on the adventure. We're bringing the family. We're going to unify our family. So they went on vacations to put on the credit card. And they were living like when high on the hog, when high on the hog was happening, right? And they've made decisions with their credit card, their spending, their mortgage, their cars. They've made decisions that all of a sudden have, have bound them up because the economy shifted about two years ago. And we're all living on about half 
of what we used to be living on, or maybe a third, you know, two-thirds, or whatever it is. But the reality is, the second group of people in here are enslaved in another way. And these are adventuring people that want to take risks. They, they desire, like the first group desires, to give more to God, but they desire, but are enslaved because of decisions they've made that have bound them up. And they don't feel like what they're able to give, because it's a small amount, will be enough. They don't feel like what they contribute is valuable to God. They believe that they're so far in debt that there's no way out. And so why bother at all? Believing the lie that what you give, the amount you give, let me go back up. Believing the lie that you can't contribute, that your actions, your past has caught up with you, and I'm just hanging on, Antley. I can't give any more, so I'm not going to give anything at all. And you feel defeated, you feel down, you feel burdened. When you come to church and hear this giving talk, you almost go through the emotions of, oh, great, here we go again. I mean, you might be a college student in this position. You might be someone who has a mortgage payment that's upside down and you can't get out of your house. You might be someone who's bought a car and the car's worth like a tenth because the gas price is jacked up and you're driving an SUV and your car's not worth anything or you're driving a Toyota. I mean, that's, I mean, but those are the two groups. Both groups need freedom. Both groups need to know how can I find, this is like a little tightrope right here. It's a little edge. How can I be obedient to God? I want to be obedient to God. Both these groups, we all want to be obedient to God. We all love God. We all want to demonstrate and pour out our love for God. I believe that with all of my heart. Because at River City Church, we experience God's love on a regular basis. And we know what that love feels like, and we want to sacrifice for that love. But we feel like we can't. And there's those two groups, and there's everyone in between. And this morning, what I want to remind us of is that we don't give because we want to be obedient. We give because we know the Father's love. And as a response of knowing the Father's love, we then will give out of obedience, just like Jesus did. And the story I want to use to demonstrate this, to talk about this, I mean, the reality is when we look at Jesus' life, like I said earlier, he gave it all. He gave everything. His, but it was his perfect love that led to his perfect sacrifice. And this is how it happened. In Matthew three sixteen four to 11, I mean, three sixteen to four eleven, it says this. And when Jesus was baptized... Immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up, or driven out, is really what the Greek says there, driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, 
If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Father, we pray this morning as we look at this scripture, your spirit would enlighten our hearts and our minds, and that we would almost tangibly eat it, take it in, and allow it to transform us. Reveal your truth this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. I've already talked about this a little bit, um, but it sets up my next point, so I'm going to show this slide. Change is exciting, is it? This is a response from the city. Change is exciting. We'll change in whatever way is necessary to build the kingdom. No, this was an email, actually. One of the hostile ones, okay? Way is necessary to build the kingdom. Who cares if we are in a different building and don't know where we'll end up? We don't want to become a stable institution. We want to remain an exciting and fluid movement. And if they want stability... They already have it in the sense that God has promised to build his church. I know that's difficult for the planners out there and for people who like structure out there. And it's important to know that if God is leading us, it might look and feel a little different. But it's one of the ways that God will stretch us and stretch you as a church. If River City Church is your home and you're being blessed here and you feel like God has called you here, you're giving your time here. It's important that you understand that you are called to give here also. And we have structures in place for structured people, for accountability, for stewardship. We take that very seriously. Show the next slide. And this is what it looks like. And you might not know this. This is a reality. I was talking to my wife about this. She's like, people don't understand the structure. We have a ton of structure in place. We have more structure. I hate all the structure we have. I mean, I like it because it protects you and me from you, but this is the reality. I'm just saying. The advisory input. We have the advisory council, okay? And they input. They inform the council. They inform, they counsel, and they recommend. The advisory council is made up of a cross-section of the church. And right now, we're expanding the advisory council to be even bigger now that we have elders, okay? And so the advisory council are you guys on there representing the church. What's happening in the church? Hey, we're going to a new service. What do you think about that? The advisory council informs me, they counsel me, they let me know what's going on because I'm one of the elders, okay? And then we also have a whole separate committee that just does finances, okay? And Martha is a staff representative. She's on the finance committee. Ed New is one of the elders. He's on the finance committee. And we have some other people on the finance committee, again, that are gifted with finances in this area. And they set policy for how we will spend money at River City Church. Any money we spend runs through the finance committee, Any major hire we have runs through the finance committee. Any building we rent runs through the finance committee. And we have policy in place that we live by, that we have to live by. The finance committee comes up with a budget. The finance committee has to approve the budget. I'm not on the finance committee. 
I hate being in those kinds of meetings. They drive me nuts. But we need the finance committee because it creates structure and it demonstrates stewardship, thoughtfulness that protects you so that you understand this is how my money is being spent. There are people in place other than wild man Antley running crazy with my money. But I trust and love him. He's the best church leader in Jacksonville. All right? And so, so we have the, and they plan, they propose, and they receive. Then that goes to the elders. The elders look at the advice that's being given to them. They look at the advice the finance committee has come up with, the budget. Then they pray. They make decisions based on the advice. The, the, and, and the staff is also recommended or as part of that process. And then they delegate and empower the staff to go do the work of the church, who are then empowering you to do the work of the church. And the staff plans, they equip, and they serve. And those are just random kind of terms we threw in there. But basically, staff executes. And you're like an extension of the staff because you execute. Okay, take that slide off. So people pay attention to me. But that's the structure we have in place. And that might be new to some of you. And some of you, that might be the, that's what you needed to know to bring you the freedom to give, which is great. That's awesome. That's okay. But ultimately, that structure shouldn't be the driving factor in whether you're giving to River City Church or not. You see what I'm saying? Do I need to go there anymore? Because you're not giving to the structure. The structure could fail. There's lots of churches that have structure in place like that. And still... Woo! People are going nutso with like crazy spending. And so you can't have faith in the structure. You can't have faith necessarily even in Antley, the church leadership, the staff. Your faith is in Jesus. I'm called to lead. You're called to give. We have structure though. If that helps you, that is awesome. And I'm sorry I haven't shown you that earlier, but we haven't had it. A little slide. Ed did that. I have no time for that kind of stuff. It requires too much structure. All right? So. Okay. It's about us being obedient. It's about us trusting God. It's a reflection of what we love and what we worship. Next slide. In the end, this came from the city. In the end, you'll either worship money as your God or you will worship God as your, with your money. The way you spend money, make money, use money, blow money, save money, or are in debt because you don't have enough money, it's directly tied to who your God is. Jesus says you cannot worship both God and money. And if Jesus is God and we don't obey him, we are disobeying the leader of the church. I wrote, yeah, he's not the leader of the church. He has appointed me as the leader of River City Church, though. I'm doing the best that I can. We have structure in place to protect you from me and me from you. But ultimately, we need to be obedient. We need to be demonstrating who we worship, who we love, by how we give. It starts with perfect love like Jesus had, though, and leads to perfect sacrifice, not the other way around. I'm going to sacrifice a bunch so that Jesus will love me. No, that's not how it works. It works, I'm going to love God. I'm just going to, I want to love God, that's all. I just want to love God. That's what today's about, loving God, understanding the Father's love for you, with the understanding that as you do, you want to sacrifice and give in his direction. Jesus laying down his life has everything to do with love. How much he loves you and loves his father. And how you give demonstrates how much you believe that he loves you. How much you give or how you give, how you live is a demonstration 
of what you believe about the Father's love for you. And if you have not experienced his love, then it would make sense that you would not be able to give. And it's better for you to love and wait on giving. It's better for you to wait and experience his love than before you give. I would rather you wait. Let me say that again. If you have not experienced God's love, if you're giving out of obedience, out of duty, out of structure, out of percentages, stop. Stop. Because the enemy is enslaving you with that so that you don't experience God's love. Because if you experience God's love, you will become a generous giver. And the enemy doesn't want that. The enemy wants you to be programmed and processed and driven by statistics, driven by rules, and by standards that people and churches and religion has set. That's what Christ has freed us from. And the enemy knows if they experience my father's love, if they experience the love that I have for them, they become dangerous givers then. Giving does not necessarily mean that you love God, but loving God will always lead to obeying his commands and giving. I mean, he loves you. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that he loves you? What allowed Jesus to triumph in the desert? What allowed him? He had just come out of the water and he had heard, my father loves me. You're my beloved. I'm loved by the father. Nothing else mattered to him then. That was the one thing that he needed to know. That was the foundation for all of his ministry. He hadn't started any ministry yet. He didn't do some like really cool like bada bing bada boom miracles and stuff. And God's like, whoa, that's awesome. I love you. He didn't do that. He came out of the water. He didn't do a thing. I love you. Just like good enough for me. Let's rock. I'm going to the desert. Spirit's driving me. Holy Spirit's pushing me to be tempted. What? The Holy Spirit, God wanted to see who does Jesus really serve? Who does Jesus really love? My father's, his father's kingdom or his own? What will Jesus allow himself to be satisfied with? The spiritual nourishment that comes from the father or the world? And love is what allowed Jesus to persevere. Love is what allowed Jesus to be obedient. Totally obedient. Perfectly obedient because of perfect love. Next slide. This is from the city. Some of you, one of you wrote, control, faith, trust, love is why people don't give. Until we as individuals accept God's love for us, we will never learn to trust him with any aspect of our lives. Until we trust him, we cannot have faith to step out to the very edge. Until then, we need to feel we are in control. Anything else is just an excuse. Not my words. Those are your words. Those are your thoughts, some of your thoughts. Not all of your thoughts, but some of your thoughts. But that's kind of true. You know, we can come up with all kinds of reasons why we don't give. You know, we can come up with all kinds of excuses. But the bottom line, I believe, is that if we understand God's love for us, we'll treat our resources and our money very differently. But it begins with understanding his love for us. Well, Antley, you don't understand my situation. I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. And you're right. I don't understand. But God does. God, God understands. But he doesn't say in the Bible, hey, if you're in debt, I tell you what, the rules change for you, okay? The rules change. 
I don't want you to be motivated by my love anymore. You're just going to do what you want to do if you're in debt. All right? And we'll go from there. No, that's not what God says. I would even go as far to say that if you are thinking and saying that, maybe not that exact thing because I was being sarcastic, but if you're thinking, I can't give because I'm in debt, is the evidence that you're enslaved and you need to give more than anyone. Right? Now, I don't know how and how much or any of that stuff. I'm just saying that the very thought process of saying that, saying, well, I can't give, God, because I believe this is mine. And I don't know how much I should give. or I mean, all those things. And those are real questions. But the reality is, God's love on a cross brings freedom. And in that freedom, our love for God will drive us to be obedient. Individually and as a church. I mean, what if Christ, what if Christ would have been situational? Make bread, Jesus. That would have been like the first McJesus out in the desert somewhere, right? If Jesus would have said, like, situational, I'm hungry. Certainly my father does. You know, I've been, I've been, I fasted for 40 days. I fasted for 40 days. Certainly I deserve something. You know, they'd been like, boom. I wouldn't have made, like, bread. What do you mean, bread? You think I'm going to make bread? I'd be like, filet mignon out in the desert. If Jesus would have acted situationally. But that's not what he does. He's obedient to the end, fully. Perfect obedience because of perfect love from his father and perfect love for his father. Jesus has died to bring freedom to every part of our life, every part of our heart. And this part of our heart, for some, is more difficult than others. But it's something that Jesus spends a lot of time talking about. But it's our heart that God wants. And you've heard me say that before. Next slide. And this is what someone said in the city. It was greatly Great, great word. It's all about the heart. If a person is willing to give time and resources but not their money, there just may be a heart issue. I, under, I understand that. There are times and seasons where one may not be able to give much, but it's all about attitude. What does the attitude of the heart of a person look like when they are unwilling to tithe, give, or donate? A heart like that says, you can have every part of me, Lord, but not that. The money department is mine, all mine. A heart like that will shrivel, die, and never experience the growth and fruit of the gospel kingdom. They are like Ebenezer, being suffocated by their wealth. Mm. I read that last line, being suffocated. The life sucked out of us by something as silly as money. Jesus desires today to bring freedom to every part of our life, including that which sucks the life out of us. The Father loves you. He loves you. He loves you a ton, more than you can imagine. It drove Jesus. God's love for you drove Jesus to the cross. Jesus was tempted in his flesh for comfort. He was tempted with fame, using his power to promote building his kingdom. He was tempted by power and money. If he would just worship the devil, but he chose not to be situational. He chose to be obedient so that we could find freedom in all of these areas of our life. It's a great story because all the scripture that Jesus responds to is a parallel of what, the, of, of what happened when the nation of Israel was in the desert. And Jesus coming out of the baptism is a parallel to the nation of Israel crossing the Red Sea. But unlike the nation of Israel failing again and again and again in the desert, Jesus is obedient. 
Jesus fulfills once and for all what's necessary for us to find freedom in the life that Christ has given us. So Matthew is saying, Jesus is the true Israel, the one who has come to bring light to the world, the one who has come to set us free from everything and anything that enslaves us. Out of his love, he allowed his Father's love for us to drive him to the cross. He loves you. Jesus loves you and died to bring you freedom from anything and everything that prevents you from experiencing his Father's love. And as we experience God's love for us, like Jesus, it will drive us to sacrifice. It will drive us to being obedient. But it's from his love. It's out of love that that happens. This morning, you know, we're going to create space for ministry after we kind of do our pledge cards and stuff. But I encourage us to all come forward or to worship where we are, to do this where we are, but to tell Jesus, you know, I'm tired of being enslaved to this, Jesus. I'm tired of worrying about this. I'm tired of this creating stress in my life. I'm tired of the burden that this creates for me and my family. I'm tired of what this is causing to happen in my marriage. I'm tired of how this is affecting my kids. Bringing all of that to Jesus and giving it to him, recognizing that it's only because of Jesus' perfect obedience that any of those things can change in our life. It's not our effort that counts. It's Jesus' effort on the cross, believing that he loves us so much that he died for us. And out of that, as we bring those things to him, we don't have to know how and what. He'll lead us. He'll speak to us. He'll show us how we're to give. The same way the Holy Spirit allowed him to experience his Father's love, the Holy Spirit wants us to experience the Father's love today. You know, at River City Church, I want to show one last slide. Last one. It seems as if, the, this is from the city, the contemporary church has transformed the privilege of giving into one of the most religious duties we have as Christians. But the scriptures teach that it is simply to be an overflow of who we are. If we are, if we are becoming love as he is love, then all things will flow from that. Great word. I was so impressed by some of the things that people wrote, the thought and the heart that they put into it. Anyone can obey commands, but only love transforms commands of obedience into acts of love. At River City Church, I was going to say a second ago, you know, we will get things wrong. I'm going to mess up. I am going to mess up royally as I lead the church because I see dimly, and I'm passionate, and I go fast and hard in the direction I feel like God's calling me. And if I'm wrong, which I have been, there's a few services that I've started that haven't really panned out. You know, God makes up the difference. But one of the things that we have right at River State Church is understanding this. It's one of our values. Intimacy with the Father is key. Experiencing God's love is key. Everything flows from experiencing God's love. It's why we have the soaking ministry. It's why we have prayer ministry after church. It's why we again and again and again invite the Holy Spirit to come so that you will experience God's love. It's why we're having the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit Conference. It's not about the gifts. It's it's not about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is about you experiencing God's love and believing that God loves you. If you believe that God loves you, you will give. We give to what we love. We find ways, creative ways to give to our children, crazy ways to provide for our family because we love them. This is your family. This is the family you will have in heaven. All I'm saying 
is that when we begin to understand the love the Father has for us, we will give creatively and passionately to our family, to the family that's here today, to the family of River City Church. We've made it easy for you. We have a pledge card in the back of every seat. We're going to have some music to pledge by, and we're going to move into ministry. But basically, there's a pledge card in front of you. That means you should grab it. If you've already pledged, still grab it if you want to look at it. Okay, on the front, you need to fill out your right information. We're going to give you some time to think about this. Our desire is that you give to the family. That's all. If you already give, great. But when you pledge, it helps us plan. Now, again, there's broke, everything's broken up into five big categories. And you may say, and you have said, and I have read, that you'd like to see more categories. That's cool. Come and talk to Martha. She's in charge of our finances. If you want to see more specifically how money is spent in the church, if that's blocking you, then come and talk to Martha about it. But the, this is the litmus test for us as we spend money. Will this help us love people better? That's what we say. Will this help us love people more? And then, if it does, we think that it will, we do it. You know how much lights cost for a place like this? $50,000. Low end. $50,000 low end. Does that, Anthony, how it's spending $50,000? How what in the world? How would that help you love people? What if the lights were full on like this during ministry all the time? It doesn't, it helps us create the environment for you to experience God's love. That's us loving you. Now, we have everything donated. Because we don't have the money to pay for it. The speakers. You know how much churches our size spend on sound and sound equipment? Guess. Throw some numbers out. A million dollars. Not a quarter of a million. About a million dollars. We spend 250 bucks a week. Because we can't afford the stuff that we need to have. Because we feel like this is loving our church better. We're going to be creative. We're going to find ways to love people rather than strap burden on their back. Lollipops. Toilet paper. I could go on and on and on and justify everything we buy. Anyone could. But the bottom line is, you need to trust us. You need to trust that God has appointed the leadership of the church and that we're doing the best we can. And honestly, if you don't believe that, if you think like I appointed myself or like I'm a jackass, you need to find another church that you believe the leader of the church is the best leader in Jacksonville. Because I really believe that you think I am the best leader in Jacksonville. I really believe that. I'm just saying. But we also have added this. Well, these will be in the backs of seats every week now. So if you have cash and you just want to give what you can, put it in here. Put your name on it so you can be counted. Something simple that someone came up with who doesn't even come to our church. Came up with this idea, great idea. So these are the back. So just stick what you want in there, what you can in there, what you feel God's leading you to, to put in there. Our desire is for you to find freedom. We're going to play some music now. Spend some time praying about what you feel like God wants you to give. Write it down on the pledge card if you feel led to. And then we're going to have a song in a minute that you can get up and, and demonstrate and worship to God.